I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Welcome to the 17th Better Podcasting live chat. I am Stephen John Drew, and for the first time that I've been on any Better Podcasting show, I am not introducing SP. No, SP's away, and Chris Farrell is here, my fellow Gunna Geek podcaster who's also wearing a gray shirt today. Hello, Chris Farrell. That's true. And in the words of one Peter Parker, aka Spider Man, hey, everyone. <laughs> Uh, pleased to have you here. Yes, SP is away this week. He's wrapping up his his end of summer family time, and don't worry, he will be back next week um, on on both Better Podcasting uh, proper, and then the week after that, in two weeks from now, on the next Better Podcasting live chat. We know Chris and I both accept it. You guys like SP. We know there's a fan club and everything out there. I know someone's charging a membership for it. I don't know where those fees are going though. A uh, question for you, though, before we get into this, Chris Farrell, if people wanted to check out some of your other podcast endeavors, where could they do that? Well, I'm down to only two right now. So you can catch the GunnaGeek.com show every Monday night, 8.45 p.m. Eastern time over on Geeks.Live. And then I also do another show Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern, also at Geeks.Live. That is the all things good and nerdy podcast. I do that with a couple of buddies of mine where we try and recap the nerdy news of the week and kind of BS back and forth and try and make some jokes about what's been going on in the past week. And in the middle of a pandemic right now, we just try and have fun with it and share that fun with anyone who may be watching or listening later. Yes. Uh, Chris Farrell is my co-host on the Guinea Geek show and Stargate Pioneers co-host as well. Uh, he's the one there that gets in between SP and I when we fight because over here, him and I just fight all the time, but over there, Chris does act as a mediator. I don't like it when mommy and daddy fight, guys. <laughs> it scares me. If you didn't know this, actually, Chris Farrell many, many moons ago did uh, do a couple episodes of Better Podcasting Prime. So if you want to go back to the back catalog on that, you can over at betterpodcasting.com. I know we talked a little bit about live streaming with you at some point because you have a history with live live streaming. So why don't you refresh our audience or maybe our new audience? Tell them a little bit about your early days of podcasting and how you are a bit of an anomaly when it comes to the older podcasters in regard to live streaming. Well, so I guess I should say the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, it's over 400 episodes, almost 420, I believe it is. And since episode one, we have streamed the entire thing live. This is a byproduct of my coming into listening to a lot of podcasts from the folks over in the Diamond Club before they became Diamond Club TV when they were doing other shows, listening to Twit podcasts and things like that that Leo Laporte did where they made a big point of saying, hey, you can come watch us live and participate live and we'll put the podcast, the audio and the video versions out later. So since 2012 with episode one of All Things Good and Nerdy, we've done it live and we started out doing it on Twitch because one of my friends who was originally on the show was a Twitch streamer, had OBS set up, and was able just to capture a few Skype windows, throw things up on Twitch. It was shaky. It worked. We were also, after that, we kind of migrated to Google Hangouts on Air because about four episodes in, that's when they announced the whole Hangouts on Air thing and the ability to broadcast directly to YouTube. So we used Hangouts on Air for ages. I mean, probably 
two, three years before then migrating over to me figuring out how to use OBS properly, capture video feeds from Skype or Hangouts, things like that, and toss them up via Restream.io on my Mixer page, my Twitch page, Periscope, YouTube, things like that. And we've kind of evolved the show into something that we stream in our chat room is based on twitch.tv because we get the best interaction there, but restream to a bunch of different places. And it's been kind of fun seeing how the setup of that show has changed over the years, how we've been able to do things a little differently, but it's really funny when we started the gonna geek.com show, Steven's probably talked about it before it was audio only. In fact, when we were discussing things and did the podcast, we didn't even have the cameras turned on a lot of the time. It was just, we were talking back and forth, couldn't see each other. And we kind of needled Steven a little bit myself specifically be like, Hey, video is really fun. You'll see some cool differences when you can look someone in the eye and kind of give them that slow wink as you're about to make fun of something that you know is going to piss them off. <laughs> it just adds to the flavor of the show. So it's been really fun to see my friends in podcasting. Cause for those that didn't weren't aware, I didn't know Steven until I started listening to one of his podcasts and then kind of somehow weaseled my way into guest hosting on that show. A few <laughs> times, and we became friends from there, but it's been fun to see that evolution of audio to audio and video and just kind of having fun with this whole setup. And, you know, I think that amateur podcasters who have learned how to do or hobby podcasters also who have learned how to use Twitch and OBS and all of these tools, we can put on better presentations of things than a lot of big network TV can in the time of the pandemic because they're too used to having the big expensive fancy tools that we've never been playing with because we look at something and go, <laughs> That costs way too much money. I'm just going to use OBS because it's free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you touched on OBS. OBS, for those of you who are not familiar, if you're doing any video streaming, and we do talk about that occasionally with Better Podcasting, because there are a lot of people that like to do that. OBS is a video switching um, program. If you've ever heard me talk about XSplit, that's what I use for this show. But OBS is a free one that is very, very uh, detailed. And a lot of people do use it uh, for their streaming. Some people argue OBS is better than XSplit. So just because you're hearing free, don't don't think like it's it's basic. No, it's very detailed. It's what Chris uses. And I wanted to it's take this source. moment. Yes, and open source. Great point. Um, and that leads perfectly into where I wanted to go with this was there are some people who have occasionally asked about OBS Studio versus Streamlabs OBS. Now, I know you dabbled a little bit with Streamlabs OBS, and I am really... Aside from just on the surface information, uneducated with OBS and a few things I've tried here and there. So I want to take this moment to ask you, the OBS expert of the Better Podcasting Program, uh, what's the difference between the two? So full disclosure, I used OBS originally. I pivoted, used Streamlabs variant of OBS for probably about a year and a half and then switched back to OBS, regular OBS studio because they had the NDI connectivity. Now, I, I've heard that Streamlabs OBS has updated. You can now use NDI feeds and things like that, but I haven't gone back to it because I don't want to have to remake all of my scenes and layouts. But for those that aren't aware, OBS, it's a free tool right now. It's open source. There's a great team of people that are working behind the scenes, making tweaks to it and constantly making it better. Streamlabs OBS is a forked variant of OBS, and it's it's got a lot of things baked into it that you would get from the Streamlabs website where you can bake in a lot of Twitch overlays and things like that. So you can use default overlays to kind of make things easier so you don't have to make fancy fancy things like you see on Steven's video feed or some of these other ones where we're kind of framing our video and hiding different things we don't want people to see. Streamlabs OBS has those backgrounds and things baked in so you don't have to do as much work on your own. 
they're pretty much the same when it comes to wanting to stream content. You point it to a source, you push your stream button, it goes, and you're able to toggle between scenes, mute your audio, things like that. I have used both, but like I said, it's been a while since I've used Streamlabs OBS. Both are good products. I just pivoted back to the regular OBS because it provided a tool I needed at that time. And they haven't taken anything away that I need. And I find that updates are a bit more regular with OBS. And I, I have used XSplit in the past, but I'm really strange. XSplit just really bogs down the resources on my system. So it's not really great use for me. And I downloaded the Twitch version of their broadcasting software, and I never actually ran it to do anything after I opened it. I went, eh, no, this seems like it's not quite going to do what I want because it's geared primarily towards gamers, whereas OBS is you can put whatever scenes in you want. Theirs was more geared towards the gaming functionality, being able to put things up on screen when people subscribe to you, interesting ways to embed the chat, but it just didn't quite work for what I wanted, so I never really pushed forward with that. But OBS, I've been using it for a while. I think it's a great tool once you get past the fact that there's a learning curve because it, it's very bare bones. You go in there and you go, okay, what do all of these things mean? It doesn't hold your hand and try and explain to you, hey, here's all these different inputs that you can play with. Here's how you do scene transitions, stuff like that. But thankfully, there's a very active message board and community and you can search through there and you can ask questions to people in that community. And there's tons of YouTube tutorials actually on, hey, here's how you do something like this in OBS. I consumed a bunch of those before I started using it, and I don't think I'm an OBS expert, but I would say I'm proficient in OBS at this point that I'm able to figure out most of what I need to do. So open offer, if you're trying to do something in it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm happy to put in my two cents back. Well, here's how I think you do it. <laughs> and you can find Chris at the Chris Farrell, that is spelled F-E- R-R-E-L-L. -L. Did I get that right? Uh, yes. At the Chris Farrell on Twitter. So if you want, feel free to hit him up because yeah, uh, SB does, he does use OBS um, for some stuff in all fairness. And I know he's probably sitting there about to hit delete on the angry message he was about to send me as he heard this. But um, he, so he does. But Chris Farrell has, I think it's a fair statement to say Chris Farrell's done a lot more with OBS than SB. So I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I think I was one of the first on the network to pivot to using OBS. You'd been using XSplit and stuff like that already, and I had played with it. But when it came to our live video shows, I think I was one of the first that started using it on the network. And I'd put together some brief tutorial videos that I'd given out to some of the folks on the Gun and Geek Network. It's like, hey, here's how I did some of these things. If you have those tutorial videos, don't use them now. I've learned a lot since then because at that point in time, I didn't understand how you could take a video feed and how you could crop things by holding down the alt key. So instead, I was talking about how to make masks using your overlays. So I was like trimming overlays out and like paint shot or excuse me, Photoshop elements to the right dimensions and then dropping those over top of video feeds that I was moving around. It was janky. It was not a great way to do it, but it worked and it made things present how I wanted them to. I've, I've learned a lot since then. So I guess what you can take away from that, it's I'm not trying to toot my own horn on that, but all of these software tools that people are using, don't let yourself get lazy about what's going on with it because as they add new features, you might find that it makes your workflow a lot easier, makes it a lot easier to interact with what you've been doing. And you'll, you'll find out that something you may have been doing for a year and a half, you can do with half the effort going forward, i.e. myself when I learned how to hold down the alt key and resize <laughs> windows and have it trim things off instead of playing with masks and trying to stack and tile things just right. It was it was bad, guys. I was pretty dumb. 
Well, we all learn as we go. And that's why we do better podcasting is to help people learn a little bit and share what we've learned as well. So it's all good. It's a good, good uh, discussion point about what you've learned. Now, for those of you who are not watching the video side of things, I want to hop over kind of quick hard left turn here to something else I wanted to mention on here, because if you aren't watching the video side of things, you miss something that just happened with Chris Farrell while he was talking. While Chris Farrell was talking, his video became a little bit distorted. It was a little purpley. It was a little pixely. And we mentioned a while back that we've been using something called OBS Ninja. OBS Ninja is is a service that you can connect to and do video, uh, get vid individual video URLs and shove them into your video switcher or whatever. So if you want to go back and listen, we talked about that on uh, Better Podcasting Proper and Better Podcasting Live Chat. Feel free to check that out. And the reason I wanted to mention that was because Overall, um, when I talked about that, Chris, myself, and SP have been using that this for months now for the Gunna Geek Show and Better Podcasting, and we've had really good luck with it overall. But last night when we did the official Gunna Geek Show, this was on Monday, September 21st, we had uh, filling in for SP over there, uh, Suncast. We've talked a little bit about him on occasion and he was having all sorts of video issues last night on the show where he was dropping out and he was um sometimes we were losing his video but he was still hearing us and then sometimes he was he was not hearing us and he was having all sorts of dropout issues so i wanted to mention it today just because now in full transparency we haven't seen that issue specifically with anybody but suncast and the week before we even had a guest on filling in for sp named michelle ely and it was fine, but there was just a video issue now with Chris. We had that with Suncast last night. We always like to report our latest findings that we have, and whether it was something that was specific to Suncast setup or not, is worth mentioning because maybe someone else will have the same issue as well. So we had good experience up to this point overall, but you never know. And we've said it before that sometimes things do change. Now, very well could be something on my end as well as far as... Um, the video artifacts we were seeing on Chris, that's possible. The Suncast issue, though, because he was losing us and the way it works because they're kind of in a chat room together, that wouldn't have anything to do with me. That would be more to do with the connection between everybody. So I thought I'd mention it um, just as a bit of an update on OBS Ninja. In any case, can we agree, though, that even with the issues, it seems to be far better than Skype? So far, so good. <laughs> I agree. And... We have a bit more control because the gentleman who's developing OBS Ninja has been pretty receptive in his Reddit, his subreddit rather, to feature requests and answering questions and how things happen. And if you want to reach out to Skype to ask how to do something or a feature request, uh, Godspeed to you, sir. Godspeed. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Google Podcasts. Can we take a moment to talk about Google Podcasts as a consumer and something that uh, is a bit of an update that I discovered? So if you didn't know this, Google does create Google Podcasts where they have their own directory and their app that you can listen to podcasts through. And we've talked a little bit about it before on Better Podcasting. And for a long time, I wouldn't switch over to Google Podcasts because they didn't have the ability to auto-download. And then when they slowly rolled it out, I still could not get it. And as someone who 
prior to March was going to work a lot. I wanted to be able to download my podcasts and have them on my phone because I didn't want to churn through data as I was streaming podcasts. So anyways, I switched over to Google Podcasts largely a little while ago just because of the fact that they did make that auto download happen. And I wanted to use Google Podcasts and see what I thought about it. Well, Last week, I got myself a new phone. I got a phone upgrade, and I went from a Pixel 2 to a Pixel 4a. And I really, really enjoyed the fact that using a synced platform meant that all of the podcasts that I was subscribed to, I was still subscribed to when I went over. I didn't have to export anything. I didn't have to import anything. But there was something that I did have to do, and it was that auto-download setting. I had to go and re-enable it on all of the podcasts that I had it set on on my phone. So it's so it's an opt-in feature, the auto-download? Yeah, which is okay, okay, I guess, if that's the way they want to go. But it is something that uh, it's the only thing that didn't really sync properly between the migration. So it's Google Podcasts is looking okay, but there's still some things that they're lacking because I do know you've dabbled with some of which was the app that you dabbled with as as a uh, podcast listening device that synced, didn't you? Oh, so there is one I'm using right now. And I was I was going to bring up that actually it's I use Pocket Casts as my uh, podcast platform to listen to, because if you were a paid subscribe member or whatever, before they changed their current model and they carried everyone over who was you have a sync feature that basically you log in and has all your subscriptions in it, maintains your progress in podcasts, and regardless of the device you're on, it syncs you up to where you were. So for instance, I could be in my kitchen making dinner. I can listen to Pocket Cast via Amazon Voice Services devices, and I can say, okay, stop playing. 10 minutes later, I can pick up my phone and put in my headphones because I'm going to go vacuum the living room or something like that open up Pocket Cast, hit play, and it picks up right where I left off. So they do a really good job with their syncing that's baked into Pocket Cast. And it also works on like their web player and their Windows 10 app. But pretty much effectively, if you have a Pocket Cast app and you are on that tier, you get syncing across all platforms, which is really freaking sweet, to put it that way. And that was going to be my question for you, Stephen, is the way the Google Podcasts tool works. I assume it works with your Google Home devices. I honestly haven't tried it because I'm not a big fan of Google Home. Okay, fair enough. So my question would be, if you have multiple devices, so say you've got a phone you keep in your car that you want to make your gym phone because if if you drop and it breaks, it doesn't matter, and you've got your daily driver, does it sync your progress on an episode between those? So say, theoretically, you were driving to the gym or something, and you got there, stopped your podcast, picked up your gym phone that you don't care if it breaks... It's connected to Wi-Fi or something so it can sync. When you go in there and push play on that podcast, does it pick up where you left off? Does it sync the timestamp or anything like that? That's a really good question as I'm frantically trying to play something on Uh, my phone. I apologize. I wasn't trying to set you (laughs) up there. And then switch over to podcast.google.com and pull the same (laughs) episode up and see where I am. Yes. Uh, hold on. Um, yes, they, they did. They okay. did sync. Yes. So, uh, what I did right now was I pulled up my Google pixel 4a hit play on better podcasting 16. It was or live chat 16. And I went and I skipped ahead and I played it for a few seconds and then I pulled it up on Google podcast on the web version and it was in sync. So I would assume it would do it from device device as well. Right. And that sync was an important thing to me. And I should point out in the chat room, Bangs Naughty Bits points out that there isn't a, a pocket cast skill for Amazon voice services. That is correct. And that's what I use 
to listen to it in my kitchen. I'm not using a Bluetooth connection of my cell phone. I tell a word open pocket casts. She opens and says, do you want to resume your current podcast? I say yes. And she picks up and starts playing. So that's actually pretty cool. I don't remember on their current subscription model or pricing model if that's included on the free level of pocket casts or not. Because to be honest, when they changed it all, I didn't pay a ton of attention because they grandfathered in everyone who'd paid for it previously. So the rules never changed for me as to how pocket casts work. But from my standpoint, it's great because I listen on Amazon voice services. I listen on my Android cell phone and I listen on my iOS tablet from time to time. Mm -hmm. So I've got that sync between three different platforms and I never have to worry about, oh, I think I was only 20 minutes into better podcasting. And then I'm like, oh no, I missed whatever Steven just said. I got to rewind to try and find where I actually was. This is smart enough. It just picks up where I left it. Now, caveat, it takes a little bit, like a minute or two sometimes for it to sync between platforms because I think it keeps track of it in their servers based off your account name. So sometimes it's not an immediate sync. So don't be surprised if you hit play on something as soon as you walk away and your sync mark isn't right. It's close, but not necessarily right. Yeah, I have to say the pandemic with me being working at home and stuff definitely pushed me into Google Podcasts because it's so easy for me just to pull up podcast.google.com and, and listen that way. Um, it's just so easy because I've the way I've got this office configured. But before that, I was using Pocket Casts. And I could see myself at some point going back if things just don't work out the way that I wanted. Now, let's go to a related topic. But before we go there, I just want to mention that in the chat, again, we do stream this live. Uh, usually Tuesdays, unless we've got a weird schedule thing going on, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern at Geeks.Live. We'll either be recording this show, Better Podcasting Live Chat, or the Better Podcasting Proper Show. But we did have Bangs ask me whether there... Or he goes, quote, quote, they have a Canadian pixel? Question mark? End quote. Uh, and I was explaining to him that, yes, yes, the Google Pixel in Canada just smells a little bit more like maple syrup. That's how it works. I was going to ask if it was maple or if it was uh, Molson-y. Yes. Maybe I was hoping maple It's maple syrup. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, but moving to a semi-related thing, you were talking a little bit about how you have something integrated to your... Amazon voice services devices. And uh, we were talking about Google Podcasts. Well, someone who has been trying to get into the podcast world is Amazon. We talked about it, how Amazon is creating their own podcast directory. And there was a little bit of concern a while ago about the terms of service that were happening um, when you were trying to submit your podcast to uh, Google yeah. or to Amazon Podcast or whatever they're calling it. There was, I believe there it's was some, Amazon podcast. Yeah, there was some red flags in there, and we broke it down um, when this was a few weeks ago. But there has been an update, right, Chris? Yeah, effectively, like Stephen mentioned, it was there was a term in their terms of service that came down to if you disparage Google, uh, excuse me, Amazon or one of Amazon's companies or subsidiaries such as like Audible or things like that, that's grounds for removal from it. And a lot of people went, well. That's kind of BS. I throw the BS flag. I host a tech podcast. I should be able to say this new Amazon device is horse doo-doo or something like that. And theoretically, the way those terms of service were described, you'd be violating the terms of service being on Amazon podcast. So obviously, a lot of people not too pleased with that. I guess I was doing some reading and the anti-disparagement condition was dropped from Amazon's agreement. Amazon now says podcast producers can't distribute content that violates the company's acceptance content policies 
for advertisements and other matters. Now, what that means, I don't 100% know because I haven't dug through their terms of service because when they announced the original version of it, I went, yeah, that's BS. I'm not signing up to put my podcast on here. Yes, I'll probably lose subscribers because of it or not gain them. But I don't like the pressure they're trying to exert on the podcasting community by trying to beg, nope, nope, no disparagement of Amazon if you want to be on here. Yeah, I was totally out on it. Yeah, uh, I wasn't entire like I was surprised, but not surprised when they came out with it. I because like we've seen questionable terms of service come out a billion times with with various new podcast services, but it seemed like it was going to be a holdback. And I got to say, I really appreciated the people that were in our Discord being like, yeah, I'm going to submit my podcast. Yeah, I know that the content of my show at some point will violate those terms of service because I will review one of their products and talk negatively about it, I'm sure. And uh, I was like, yeah, you go. But uh, there were some of us who were like, no, we're just going to vote with our podcast and keep away. And that was my plan was not to, to submit to them just as sort of like a, hey, why would I participate in something I disagree with? And this looks a little bit more reasonable now. Now, I'm not a lawyer and I haven't read this word for word, but it does feel like it is. It does feel like it's it's more in line with what we've seen elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's their platform. They can choose to put whatever terms to use this free platform that they want. But we as the users of it and the people that give them their content to make people use this free platform can say, yeah, I don't want my content on there because this term is ridiculous. And I, I see folks in the chat room mentioning, yeah, just do it and let them enforce it after the fact. That's fine. I just don't want to have to deal with the headaches of being like, oh, and I got to deal with all this Amazon fallout because I decided to be harsh in my review of Amazon product XYZ and they decided that's disparagement of the company. Because honestly, mm -hmm. what do you deem disparagement? If I do a review and give a well-founded argument for why I think this product doesn't meet the mark, is that disparagement? I right. would argue no. But if you're trying to protect your bottom line and people investing in your product, you could say, no, no, we deem this as disparagement. and We don't want someone on our platform being like our product XYZ is no good. And here's why. Yeah, um, I, I have to say, like, I made a comment a minute ago about how I kind of appreciated people who were submitting and like, yeah, I'm just going to do it anyways. But I'm talking more from the hobbyist perspective, right? Like, I think that if you are a business podcast or you're trying to make money on your podcast, I think that that would be a very terrible decision to knowingly violate a terms of service agreement. Like, I think that that's all sorts of issues that you should not get yourself into because what are the repercussions with that? Like, you might never get back in there if you get kicked out, even if they change the services. Like, there have been situations where people have violated big companies terms of service terms of services have changed later after the fact but because they're still on a, a block list they can't get back in so i think that that would be a terrible move to make if you were like not willing to all of a sudden be be banned forever right so and but and let's be real amazon is making headway with their voice services you could very well see the the amazon echoes and whatnot shift the primary podcast consuming method to Amazon podcasts. And I wouldn't be shocked if they did, but at the same time as a user, you've got to realize that you're getting yourself stuck into a really sticky situation there. There's no one that wins in this except for potentially Amazon. And it just seems a little shady. And hey, I guess we're going to be banned on Amazon podcasts potentially because of my disparagement. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, they pulled that term. So <laughs> I, 
I, I don't know. And I didn't read the terms of service close enough to see what the penalties were. But with AWS powering everything behind the scenes and stuff like that, eh, who knows how they could decide to enforce that and had it carried forward and then penalize you. I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I was not the only one. I saw plenty mm-hmm. of people online that went, oh, no, 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 this is BS. And I'm glad a lot of folks did that. And I can understand other folks are like, oh, the hell with it. I'm just submitting. Amazon can come get me if they decide to. Uh, in our chat, we do have Jason Bryant, who's there. Hey, Jason. And he's reminding me of something that he had actually talked about earlier in our Discord, which was that he used um, he uses the Eero network or the Eero Secure. You can better inform me on that. And apparently, the security settings that he had on there actually blocked the Amazon podcast submission page. So yeah, I, I don't know why, what stuff was in the code. You know, who, who knows? I don't know enough about that, but I just find that funny. <laughs> oh, which, so, by the way, Eero is owned by Amazon. So just to correct. connect those dots. So Eero Secure uses a third-party service provided by Zscaler, which is basically their own DNS lookup tool. And if you have Eero Secure turned on or subscribed to that, it basically routes all of your queries through Zscaler to determine whether a site is of good or bad content it should be something that's blocked. And I have had things that are legit false positives where it's blocked it and said, oh, you, we can't permit you to go to this page because of Eero Secure settings. I've reported them as false positives and generally it's been cleared up in a day or two. So I'm sure that if someone reported this, they probably fixed it and reported it back to Zscaler. The workaround, which is a pain in the butt if you run into that, is you can go into your Eero app and turn off the advanced security temporarily to be able to disable that DNS lookup through Zscaler, and then you're good to go. I've had to do it for some stuff before. Nothing shady, just weird false positives on something I was trying to do. And I'm currently in the middle of a situation with my Eero Secure where it blocks me from fully logging into the PlayStation network on my PlayStation. So I can log in, but I don't show up online when I do it, and I can't join party chat. But as soon as I turn Eero Secure off, both those things work again. It's it's very strange right now. Eero Secure is, for the most part, pretty good but there are free alternatives to it. You could just redirect your DNS lookup to some of those free alternatives and also be fine. But I think the bottom line is if you're trying to submit your podcast to Amazon Podcasts and it doesn't work, yeah. uh, you should just walk away. That's what you should do. Yeah, that was the sign. <laughs> what, it was, why are you doing this? Just walk away. Walk away. <laughs> well, you're talking about a false positive. And for those not familiar, false positive is when, like, in this context, when something that is security detects something as, you know, uh, malicious when it shouldn't be. Well, let's talk about something that is also kind of in that same idea. It, it's a something that you think you're getting, but you're not getting. Okay, that was a stretch of that segue. I'm sorry. I want to talk about the PodTrack P4, which is also courtesy of Jason Bryant in our Discord. He said in our Discord this past week, quote, just had Amazon cancel my pre-order for the PodTrack P4. Vendor said, quote, Customer canceled, end quote, but I didn't cancel. One star coming for that vendor. And actually, SP yeah. chimed in there that he had had a uh, non-P4 order canceled by Newegg and given the same reason. So here is the thing. Um, don't know what specifically the details were with that. I don't know who the vendor was listed for Amazon for that. I don't know what the situation is, the details with Jason's email. But how disappointing is that? PodTrack P4 is a piece of podcasting hardware that a lot of people have been 
excited to try to get their hands on. It shows a lot of promise for people who are looking for something that's fairly simple overall, but gives a little bit more advanced features than just like a single individual handheld recorder. So looks really neat, the PodTrack P4. And how disappointing for Jason to think that you're getting that and have it canceled. Well, it sounds like they overpromised on that. And if you're reading the chat right now, Jason has mentioned in there, vendor replied and claimed they, quote, attempted to notify me through email, end quote. Yeah, sounds like they did something shady there. And then be, we emailed you, we swear. Fingers crossed. Oh, so disappointing. Um, And let's continue on the hardware talk. We'll keep all the nitty gritty details for SP when he returns. But uh, he had mentioned that he had the Zoom H8 that he had bought. Got it as a one day shipping just before he went away. And he has used it and has not so good favor not not so good reviews he's it seems like it's functioning as like a recorder but this this was the email he sent to zoom he quote uh i'm a podcaster and i connect with guests over the internet is there a way to use the zoom h8 as an audio interface and record both multi-track locally and the incoming audio from my pc Basically, if I have myself and two co-hosts in a room, plus use the sound pad, can I send that to my PC so our guests through the computer can hear it and record everything multi-track in my own room, plus the guest over the computer on their own track? And their response was as follows. Unfortunately, there is no way to do this with the H8 as it cannot record locally when in audio interface mode. You could potentially record the audio from the computer using the line in on the capsule coming from the headphone port, but you would not be able to send your audio back to the computer. So I'd have to look at all the specific details with that. But the bottom line is that um, I think that this shows that that H8 is continuing to be evolved out of that H series, that handheld recorder. That's the intention of it. Their intention seems to continue to be not as an interface function. That is a, a big secondary function. So to me, it looks like they're definitely continuing on with the H series being primarily it's a handheld recorder. So meant for an in-person situation. And if you want to bend it from there, bend it from there. Uh, now, when I say in-person, obviously, if you're pulling an analog input from your computer in there, you're still recording in person physically there, but you're not using really like the USB interface. I think potentially you could still get the audio back depending on if you did it analog. Like I know back with the H6, what I could do is I could, there was two outputs. There was headphones and line out, I think. And I could go and I could essentially remove one of the tracks or pan it one way and split it. You could get probably really creative, but now I'm going down a uh, rabbit hole that I don't want to go to without talking to SP about the specific details of what they've changed in the actual inter not, not the USB interface, but like the actual interface of the H8. So uh, it's disappointing, but to me, not entirely surprising considering it is in the H series of the Zoom hardware. Uh, also along the lines of Zoom hardware, we talked a little bit about how Zoom came out with a new microphone, the Zoom um, ZEM-1. It is now available for order in some places. Last I checked, still couldn't get it in Canada. 
I was... When I was doing my research for this in Canada, I only saw it available for pre-order as the pack, which was the microphone plus a pair of headphones. When I had seen stuff pop up beforehand with the um, ZDM1, it almost looked like it was in the States, or should I say, sorry, ZDM1 for you Americans. Uh, Thank you. It, it, it almost looked like it was supposed to be available in the package or individual. And I just made the assumption, yeah, well, like Canada always goes, we only get one of them and we only get it in the bundle and it is what it is. But from what our Discord's saying, it's looking like everywhere it's only available in the bundle, which it's not a terrible price tag, but let's be honest, if you don't have a need for headphones or if the mic's good and the headphones suck, I don't know that potential. Like we don't know. We haven't tested it yet. And you could could have saved yourself 20 bucks by removing that from the pack. Wouldn't you rather have that option available? I guess we'll see. But the price isn't outrageous anyways. And I, I honestly don't know if it's any good. It could be the year's biggest flop for all we know. I don't know. All right, Chris, for the video viewers, they might be looking at you and they might be going, wow, you got a lot of cool geek stuff behind you. Yes. The audio listeners, um, he has a bunch of geek stuff behind him. Some comics, some posters, some action figures. He's even got, for you Star Trek fans, a plaque of the USS Defiant. But if you look over his left shoulder, you might see something that says, On A. Oh, wait, he moves. It says On Air, and it's a light. Could you describe this a little bit for the audio listeners and talk a little bit about about it, because for those of you who are doing video, you probably think it's pretty cool. So it's kind of been something I've wanted to pursue for a while, which is I love the old like radio studio looks of when you're going by and you're walking through. They have the door shut and they've got that red light out front that lights up the on air logo. I just think it looks cool. And I kind of wanted something similar in my own setup just because I thought it would look cool. It'd be a cool light effect. And I was looking into some of the ones like you actually find in radio studios and stuff like that. God awful expensive, God awful expensive. And I was like, I don't have the way to actually wire this in properly or anything like that. So I wanted to find my own on air or broadcasting sign or something like that. And that what I do instead of making it myself, I went to Etsy and I actually found a, a group there and I can find and pull that information so we can put it in the show notes or something. I can't remember the company that made it off the top of my head, but they make all sorts of different light up signs and stuff like that. And what you're seeing over my shoulder is effectively a picture frame that's like two inches deep. And inside they've strung a uh, band of LEDs. They're the multifunction, multicolor LEDs. They can do different patterns. And the glass slash plastic cover of it, they've frosted it a little bit and then done some vinyl cutouts, stickers basically, that they're able to stick onto the front of it. And that's why mine says on air. Now you can get other ones that say broadcasting or live stream. Or if you like a certain video game product, they'll put that company name on there. Things like that. I would personally recommend that you put Steven on there, but that's fine. That's true. You can send this company that did this one said you can send them your custom logos if you want. So theoretically, we could make a Gunna Geek one that has the Gunna Geek logo in it and they would make that. And pretty much what it is, is it's a light up box that they give me a little LED remote for that. I'm able to change the color of the LEDs, change the pattern, change the speed. Pretty much Steven's holding up something very similar. And it works pretty well for me. You can't see very well, but there is actually a cable that I've had to run up the wall. I kind of tried to hide it behind some of the action figures hanging on the wall that powers this whole thing. But it's a pretty sweet setup and I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy the look it gives to some of my live streams. I need to find a way to, if I had the plug 
length, I would actually put it over my other shoulder because it'd be easier for the whole thing to show up because where I sit right now, you don't actually see the whole thing all the time. But the uh, the cord is only like two foot that's on it. And I can get an extension cable for it because it's just typical uh, electrical cable, things like that. I just haven't done it yet. And when I do so, I'll probably move it over my other shoulder. But I then have to figure out how to continue hiding the cord <laughs> so the cord management doesn't become a problem. But yeah, I found it on Etsy. I really liked the product. It got to me in like a week. And I don't think for what it is that it was overly expensive. Let me put it this way. I could make it myself for cheaper, I know. But the money that I paid for it meant I didn't have to spend the time doing it myself. And then cutting out vinyls and then getting them lined up straight Mm -hmm. and getting them affixed properly. I'm kind of okay with having paid the money so that I didn't have to try and make that happen. And that's not a great maker philosophy on things. But uh, my time trumped the money cost in this case. I'm pretty cool with it. I keep it on the random pattern because I think it looks cooler, but you can change it to any color you want. I think I've used it as just straight blue before on the Gunna Geek show. I think I made it red one time just because that's traditional color. You expect to see like these on-air lights on. They're like a reddish color behind them. I like it. I think it's fun. I can understand why some people might not because it's a visual distraction, you could argue. But teach their own. My whole background's a visual distraction because I don't like plain backgrounds. I was going to say, the reason I have an illuminated, complicated background is because I know that people would rather look at my background than my face. So that's I mean, why I do I, it. I wasn't going to tell you that. But. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to mention, actually, there's two other things I want to mention before we close up this episode. Uh, first, a wonderful Bangs Naughty Bits, who's in our chat, um, Reddit moderator, Bangs Naughty Bits, he did send us a link a little bit earlier that YouTube is making some changes. Now, in full disclosure, I haven't had a chance to look through all of the details, but from what I'm seeing, it looks like they're making some changes in regard to age restrictions for viewer, for videos on YouTube. This is something we've seen a change in. We've actually talked a little bit about that. So if you post your podcast on YouTube, There are some extra things that they want to know in regard to kids specifically. And I think it stems out of some perhaps legal action they faced a little while ago, but they are, they are making some changes and it looks like it might affect some ways that, um, third party sites that integrate with YouTube, um, or interact with YouTube, there might be more sign-ins required for that. It looks like there might be some, changes as far as um, categories go for, uh, I think, age restrictions. Again, I haven't read through this whole thing, but um, there's also talking about how AI might be a little bit more being used in this regard, which is interesting because this comes on the heel of AI being used less in other regards for YouTube. But we'll see what happens with this. I'll have to delve into a little bit more. I, I truthfully only saw his link a few minutes before we started. But we will see what happens as always goes when YouTube makes massive changes. You can expect for things to get flagged. You can expect for people who make lots of money on YouTube to get mad. You can expect for there to be an uproar. And at the end of it, you can expect YouTube to probably make one or two minor concessions, but stand their ground. So that's as a hobbyist, just know that you might run into some issues if they are making some changes and you do what you always do when YouTube makes an issue and and say, please, can I have my video back? 
it's typical YouTube. What are you going to do? Go to another platform that has a tenth of the audience? I mean, they know that the audience is there right now. And until you have a viable alternative, people are going to go there. And we've seen it with live streaming also. Remember, people got concerned about the way Twitch was doing some things. And like, Mixer's going to be the greatest thing ever. Mixer had some pretty cool social and uh, rules that they put in to protect people from harassment, which Twitch has now since adopted. But Mixer is now gone also. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with this. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to mention uh, here is about our show. Last week on the Better Podcasting number 234, we had some people when I posted that and they made a comment because during the recording, we were talking a little bit about gear and um, gear releases and international releases. I, I believe this is when it came up. And SP made a comment as, yes, we're recording this just a couple days before the next iPhone release. And there was no iPhone announcement. Apple had an event, but they did not release the iPhone. And that's what we had people comment. And they said the iPhone announcement that never happened. Now, here's the thing. If you went back and you looked through the news articles over the last month, there was truthfully, I think in retrospect, there was a lot of indication that there was not going to be iPhones at that event. It was kind of being leaked for a little while now, but people were still holding hopes. And when I edited this, this was after the event, after I knew that there was no iPhones. And when I got to that point, I was faced with a decision. Do I take this out or do I leave it in? Well, ultimately, I wanted to leave it in for a couple of reasons. The first is that SP, the way he worded it, he had said that we're a couple of days away from the event. So if he had said the iPhones were just released or, you know, something like that, where it was talking in the past, I would have removed that. But because he was talking in an anticipation of an event, I felt like it wasn't that misleading. And then the second thing as well is I thought it played really well into the topic that we were talking about, which was the fact that sometimes as, as hardware is released, you are feeling disappointed with the fact that like it's not easily available to you, whether it's an international delay or it's a back order or it's your canceled P4 like Jason faced. And I think this indicated SP was looking forward to, to something that never happened. And it played really well into the point that we were making. And I think it probably for some listeners might have evoked a little bit of, of emotion or, or relating to SP. They might have felt his disappointment that they knew would have happened when that event came out and they weren't there. So I left them in just for a couple different reasons. Uh, and, and because I'm lazy, of course, too. That's the other reason why. But... Well <laughs> they they announced the Apple TV, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you that didn't know, SP has been, if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's been waiting for an Apple T a revised Apple TV for a very for long months. time. For a very months. long time. <laughs> so you can just needle him and ask him about the new Apple TV. Heard it's coming soon and he'll just love it, I'm sure. So for those of you that were wondering why that was in there, yes, I absolutely could have removed that. That something I could have done, not a problem. But I, I specifically made the decision to leave it in. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. But that's going to take us to the end of the Better Podcasting live chat number 17. But before we go, I want to say, Chris, thank you very much for coming on and talking some podcasting this week. I uh, really do appreciate you coming on and Holding down the fort while SP was away. And plus, we color-coordinated shirts without realizing it. No, this was totally planned. Steven logged into my security camera in my office, went, Chris has got a gray shirt on, and just took off and grabbed one. I know how it goes. 
That's, I know. That's fair. Uh, also, as a reminder, at the Chris Farrell on Twitter, you can also find uh, him in our Discord over at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. And also on the Gunna Geek Show and the ATGN podcast, which are both available at gunnageek.com. In theory, head to gunnageek.com and you should see those um, the latest ATGNs on there again. We had a little bit of a a period for a couple of years where I couldn't keep on top of the automatic posting because some things broke, but things are fixed now. And maybe I'll leave that tease just hanging right there and talk about that in the future. Thanks again, Chris. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. It's been ages since I've done an episode of Better Podcasting. And I kind of like these, uh, the more informal gab back and forth ones, because if there's one thing I can do, it's BS. <laughs> <laughs> better Podcasting live chat. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the other Better Podcasting main show, uh, you can do that. Just go to betterpodcasting.com. You can see them both there. And also, if you are watching this on YouTube and you do subscribe to our Better Podcasting main show, know that this show here is a separate individual audio feed. So subscribe to that as well. Also, if you want to go to our Discord server and hang out and chat stuff with stuff, chat with us in between, there's a couple of changes we're going to make there. We might add a couple better pod, extra better podcasting channels because we got a lot of content being housed in the better podcasting channel over there because it is the Guinea Geek Discord. And there's a couple things that could probably deserve their own category that are coming because of better podcasting. So there'll be a couple couple new channels to help keep things a little better sorted. So you could check that out as we make the changes. So for episode number 17 of the Better Podcasting Live Chat, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, SP, I don't know that you have ever coordinated shirts with me. I'm Chris Farrell saying, SP, I hope you love your new Apple TV. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.